A Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 79. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week on Insight Sunday we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. For those of you who don't know, Michael Coles is the co-founder former chairman and CEO of the Great American Cookie Company, former chairman, CEO, and board member of Caribou Coffee, and has so many other accomplishments and accolades to his name, including holding the world record for biking across the country from Florida to San Diego and two runs for Congress, that it would take more than an hour just to do justice to all of those accomplishments. Michael recently published his book, Time to Get Tough, which I can best describe as a business memoir that details his journey, challenges, and lessons for business and life. In the punchline of his prologue, Michael poses the question he so frequently receives when he speaks in front of hundreds and thousands of entrepreneurs, business leaders, and students of business and life. To paraphrase, the question, which is also the central theme for his book, is how can we learn from your successes and mistakes to accomplish our goals faster and more smoothly. Given that this question reflects the very mission of the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast, I'm sure you are all excited as I am for our conversation today. And in case you needed any more reason to go grab his book, all the royalties from Time to Get Tough go to a veteran scholarship fund at the Kennesaw State University's foundation. But before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, if you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, if you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger, if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively, when circumstances change like they had so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching and consulting will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience-backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. 
you can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for you and your company. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching or dryishai.com slash consulting. Because Insight Sunday's conversation is so packed and full of value, I decided to share it with you in two parts. Today, Michael talks about his relatable stories, struggles, and success. We discuss the road and meaning of success and what differentiates between the road of failure and the road of success. On Tuesday, our insightful conversation will continue with us discussing the importance of communication and listening in leadership and business, and Michael's personal formula to create an amazing customer experience. And now, without further ado, join me in welcoming Michael Coles. Welcome, Michael. Oh, thank you. It's uh, nice to be here with you today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And thank you so much for grabbing a seat with me on the business couch today. On Insight Sunday, we usually dive into the minds of entrepreneurs and business leaders to uncover insights into how your minds work and extract tangible takeaways to learn from and implement. And usually I say, let's start with your journey, but I think I might just have to recommend that everybody grabs a copy of your book. It was an incredible read, really such a page turner. Thank you. There's 25 years in the making. Yeah, so much in there. And in a way... I know that it starts with, and you talk about your stories from childhood, from being a teenager. I know that the book itself may have been 25 years in the making. And at the same time, it's a lifetime in the making in a way. Definitely a lifetime in the making, for sure. First of all, when you're writing a book like this, you first have to wonder whether anyone would be interested in the story. So again, I thought about writing the book for a long time, but it wasn't to boast about my career or whatever success I've had, it was really to share my experience and hopefully motivate people to step out of their safe space and do more than they think they can. So that was the purpose of the book. The other thing is, I think that, listen, I read a lot of business books myself, and the thing of it is, there's always lessons that you can glean out of those books. But the truth is that a lot of those business books are written by people like Steve Jobs or Warren Buffett, and on and on and on. And those successes are so big that Mm. while you might be able to learn some things from them, it's a question of can you really identify with that kind of success? And so the reason I thought my story would resonate with people is that while I have been successful in some ways, It's not so much success that I don't think that people would not think, you know, that guy did that. I think I could do that. As a matter of fact, the last line of my book is, I know you can do this because I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that really reminds me that I have at least 20 places marked in my book where you share a story or a piece of a story and then follow it with a really powerful business lesson. One of them that immediately stuck out to me, and I think it was in the first few pages, is that when you were 11 and getting into the garage sale business and how you learned that it's so important to start with a goal in mind and a plan all from that experience. Yeah, that's a really interesting story because that's a moment where you actually are an entrepreneur and you don't know you're an entrepreneur. And yeah, I was 
I remember the story, obviously. I was trying to buy a uh, vibrating football game. My parents didn't have any money. And they said, if you could earn the money, then you could get it. And so I went through, like I'm sure in the story is, I gathered toys I wasn't playing with anymore. I'll tell you honestly, I wish I had those comic books because they're probably worth an awful (laughs) lot of money now. Baseball cards, things like that. And I set it up, sold them, and I didn't make enough money. And so the rest of the story goes, I took the money I had and I bought out some of the other kids in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. uh, and brought them into my garage and sold their stuff with my stuff. Well, I had none left, but that's how I wound up making the money for the football game. Yeah. You know, I wonder if things would have been different if you had made enough money, if you would have been pushed or maybe wouldn't have been pushed to go and figure out how are you going to make up that kind of difference in funds. And, you know, there's so much lesson there. You know, the truth is that was really the first time I ever did anything like that. Mm. And I was pretty jazzed by it. I mean, it was (laughs) like, I'm not sure that I wouldn't have thought about, hey, maybe if I take these $3 or whatever it was that I made, Maybe I could go see what these other kids, because these other kids had not done it either. They Mm -hmm. saw me doing it. And so they did it. And I had a better location. (laughs) Even then I had a better location because Mm -hmm. I was right on the corner of the street. Mm. had to go past me to get these other kids. So I don't know. I think I might've done the same thing, but who knows? Yeah, that's so interesting. It wasn't in the book that you had a better location, but it reminds me of when you were talking about your location with the Great American Cookie Company and when you opened up the second location and how you learned that lesson and what you experienced there as well. Such a really big piece of this. Well, you know, that's the thing. I mean, there are a lot of people that might have written a book and really left all of that out Mm. because we had had so much success at our first store. Mm -hmm. But but the truth is, it was not the first store that made us a success as a company. It was a losing store when Mm -hmm. we couldn't afford to lose any money Mm -hmm. and we couldn't get out of a lease. And we had already invested a bunch of money in building the store. And I literally had to find a way to make that store, if nothing else, at least break even and stop the bleeding. Mm -hmm. And the success of that store really became the success of the Great American Cookie Company. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So meaningful to me as I was reading it to see how practically every step along the way, you encountered an issue and how you had to really address along the way. Every part of it was a struggle from trying to get it all up and running to begin with to not realizing- Almost burning them all down on our first day of business. Uh Yeah, yeah, because you didn't have the mitts, right? The oven mitts. Right, exactly. I think that's one of the things that people don't talk about enough about the road to success. And I, by the way, I hate the the word success Hmm. because it really indicates that you've gotten to a stopping point as opposed to success really is a journey. And that Hmm. if you allow yourself to get caught up in that word, you might think it's over. And, mm. you know, I mean, I think we just recently in the news, we've read that Jeff Bezos is stepping down as the CEO of his company is going to become executive chairman and focus on, I'd probably focus on other ways that he can expand what he's done. But again, I mean, I think that you might look at that and say to yourself, 
well, boy, look, he, he, he was so lucky. But on the other hand, he recognized that what he had built was able to go beyond just selling books and use that system to become basically the largest seller on the internet. Mm -hmm. But going back to what I was trying, what I was going to say was that I think, I don't think enough people talk about the fact that the road to success is not a straight line. It's just not. And in my book, I talk about the forgetting of oven mitts on that very first day of the cookie company opening. And the truth is my partner and I had everything on the line because we had personally guaranteed a lease for $250,000 over 10 years, for 10 years, $25,000 a year. We had personally signed a bank note and borrowed money. And they not only took a personal guarantee, but they sent a forensic accountant to our homes to inventory all of our assets so they wouldn't have to go through the court system. They could just basically, once we failed, and there was no if we failed, it was once we failed, mm. they could just go claim our assets and cover their, their note. And now on that very first day, because we forgot oven nets, we could have lost everything on that day. And so the lesson from that to me, and I one that I would love to share with your audience, which is that the difference between success and failure is never on what you plan for. It's always how you deal with the unexpected. And there's two ways to deal with it. You can just give up or you can fix it and learn from it and move on. Yeah, thank you. And I think it's so important. I'm going to repeat that. The difference between success and failure isn't what you plan for. It's, it's what how you, you deal with the unexpected. Yeah, it's how you deal with the unexpected. And that really reminds me, as you were talking about your dislike of the word success, that really frames success, not just as something you accomplish or get and then it's done. It's, it's not just a trophy you put up in your room and then you're kind of done forever. It is a consistent journey and one that is often full of moments of struggle, setbacks, the unexpected. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things I always like to talk about is that the cookie company, while we had that major catastrophe on that first day, it was not the end of forgetting oven mitts as a metaphor. I mean, mm -hmm. there were so many things that were, came along that were completely unplanned for that in many ways could have been just as disastrous, in some ways even more disastrous, just on that one store. Because once we were kind of a national company, a couple hundred stores, when things come up that are unplanned for, it's affecting thousands of people within mm -hmm. the system and hundreds of stores within the system. And it's how you deal with that. How do you rein that back in? And look, every business is going to make mistakes. The most important thing that most people can try to do is recognize the fact that you're going to make mistakes, learn from the mistakes, and just don't make the same ones. Yeah, it's often in the follow-through. It's what do you do afterwards? And do you keep allowing that to happen? Or do you address that? And do you address it in the moment, in how it happened, or with the people that it happened with, or not? As you're talking about that, so my background as a psychologist, one of the things we talk a lot about is attachment, which is the concept of the relationship that's developed between initially a child and a parent. And one of the most <laughs> interesting things there is that what predicts whether that attachment, that relationship is a really strong, positive 
force for the child and their development, the predictor is not that the parent gets everything right or knows exactly what the child needs in advance. In fact, it's expected that there are going to be misunderstandings, moments of missing each other. The better predictor is what happens afterwards. Do the parents just throw their hands up and say, well, I can't, I'm done every time really quickly? Or do they say, okay, you didn't need a change and you didn't need a feeding and I tried to burp you, but that didn't work. And you're still really upset and cranky and I'm going to keep trying different things. We're going to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. That's the better predictor. And so it reminds me so much of that, that kind of psychological piece of it, that that really makes the difference between the way a child grows up and what they internalize. And I know you talked about the word successful and how you dislike it because it's not just an end, it's a journey. And I think here it's also in a way applicable that growing as a person is not just getting to some point. It's also a journey. And there's such a piece there, I think, that's so similar. Yeah. And the other thing that I talk about a lot in the book is about communication. In that in a lot of businesses and even in your personal life, there's one common theme between business and personal life. And that's that communication. I mean, how many marriages do you know break up? I'm your psychologist. How many marriages break up because of people not understanding each other? They go through the romance phase. They're very connected. They get Mm -hmm. married. And then suddenly life takes on a whole different thing. You're sharing a place. You're paying bills together. You've got the shared income. I mean, all kinds of things can come out of that with and people who don't, who are having problems financially and don't share it with their spouse, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, and I yeah. think it's the same thing in business. A lot of times companies, the easiest thing to do is to communicate with the people that work for you. It's the easiest. Mm. It's not the easiest. It's the least costly of mm. things you might do in your business to improve it. But yet companies don't do it. They do either they're involved in a new product or a new process And they don't really explain the benefit from not just from senior management, but all the way down to the people on the line. Mm -hmm. So they understand the benefit to themselves and why this is important. One of the stories in my book, I haven't had a chance to really talk about this much. When I got to Caribou Coffee, we had to turn the company around. We had to put together a new customer experience platform. And Deb Jones, who was the head of training at Caribou, she came up with this incredibly great story about, because my idea was that we needed to put together a video and show people what great experience looks like. Mm. And we didn't want to do it with actors. We wanted to find places at Caribou where stores were really doing it well. So that way, the people who are going to have to implement this, they wouldn't be seeing actors. They'd see their peers doing Mm. it right. And the story she put together And it's one that I tell you, I share a lot. She said that she was a kid, her sister, they didn't share a room, but her sister was a basically, I guess I could say it, a slob. And so her parents would tell her sister to go up and clean her room. And she'd go up and three minutes later, she'd be back. And maybe it wasn't her sister. Maybe it was a friend. I don't even remember. Hmm. But the point of the story was she would go up and three minutes later, she'd come back down and tell her parents the room was clean. And so she'd go out and play. And the parents would go upstairs, they'd look at the room, and they would be like, this room is a mess. Mm. And so rather than continually bring the child back and say, your room isn't clean, go upstairs and clean it, what they did 
is they went upstairs and they cleaned the room and they took a picture of it after they cleaned it. Mm. And so when the daughter came back in, they handed her the picture and they said, this is a clean room. Mm. So when we ask you to go clean your room, this is what we expect. And I think that is one of the greatest lessons about communication, not just in business, but in your personal life, where you actually show someone what it is you're trying to do. Because if you just keep talking about it, a lot of times people, they miss something in that communication. And having a visual picture of it, I'm not saying you can do that every time, but like we did at Caribou, where we could show all of our team members what great service looked like, that it wasn't some mythical thing. It wasn't actors who were in a perfect circumstance. It was actual people doing their job during the day parts that they were in. And all of those team members could look out there and say, wow, that looks great. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you're saying that, it really reminds me, there's a saying, I heard this so many times. I heard it in high school. I heard it later on. When it comes to writing, especially creative writing, they say, show, don't tell. Don't just tell someone what it is that you want them to get. It's show them. Show them right. what that is. And, exactly. and it speaks so much to that. And to the point of communication you were making, so in the practice that I work at, I actually have worked with many, many couples. Couples work is something I've done a lot of and some area of expertise that I have. And something I've also seen is it is not uncommon for partners to struggle with their communication, business partners, to struggle with their communication in ways that are not that dissimilar from the way that couples can. And exactly. a lot of the work I do, I'm not there. And in my experience, many couples therapists who are really effective, they don't fix other the, the couple's problems. They're not just a third party who has some external or objective viewpoint. What they really do is help the couple develop the skills so that they can communicate and work through anything and everything that is coming up for them. And there are two parts to that. One is the speaker's job, which is to very clearly, concisely communicate and show what it is that they're experiencing, that they're feeling, what they want or what they need or what is or isn't okay that's happening. And that's the speaker's job. And then the other job, which is, I think, silently the hero's job, is to listen. And listening requires us to kind of keep our own mouths shut and keep our minds open and really take in what is it that you are communicating, which I know that as you were talking about the caribou coffee in the book was something that you experienced a little challenge and had to get creative in being able to find and be able to communicate and show the message in a way that could be received, which is a big part of it. And also to yeah. find people who were willing and interested to listen, because if the other person's not interested or able to listen, then you're also not going to have a meaning. In the book, I talk about my first real mentor, which was my boss, Irving Settler who mm -hmm. hired me when I was 13 years old, basically, to be clean up the floors, restock and straighten things out in the store. So I started at 13. And by the time I was 16, I was doing all the buying for the store and basically managing the store. But the thing of it was that Irving was a tough guy. I mean, he was a really, really tough guy. Mm -hmm. He expected perfection out of everybody that worked for him and perfection in everything that you did. And he led by example. That, to me, was 
crucial in this. He wasn't just mm. telling me what to do. He was also showing me, just as you've said, showing mm. me what to do. And maybe even more important, he was showing me the why behind mm. that, why it was so important to do the things that he was doing. And I've carried that kind of with me my whole life, that you've got to lead by example. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 